Coming to you from Howard's on Main in Uptown Greenwood on a rainy Thursday afternoon. I'm Tom Carroll along with Chris Cox via the telephone today. we got the coach Dan Spivey in the house where today is a twice-baked potato with a ribeye steak sandwich to go along with all that. We just saw Tad DeBose coming in and uh, they are going to be uh, fed before they head on up to Chester by the good folks here at Howard's on Main. Much like the Greenwood Eagles did yesterday after practice, Howard and his staff ended up serving them a delicious lunch to go along with it. We thank them for providing uh, those meals and what a great community service that, that Howard also offers to, from Howard's on Main. That's what we enjoy about Howard's on Main and the, you know the, everything he does for the, the town, the city, and everything like that. And so that's what I, I, we, we've become accustomed to it. And uh, like I said, the players, coaches, they love it just like the, the staff and everybody else does too. So it, it helps both teams out and uh, Howard's willing to do it. So that's awesome that he's willing to do that. Going to be fun. Well, we got a lot to talk about uh, with everything that's going on. We've got a lot of high school games that are going on. We've also got to talk a little bit of volleyball because there's a big event that's happening tonight, a tiebreaker of all things. Both teams are going to end up going to the playoffs. It's just a matter of which one's going to go. Uh, is I think one stays home, the other takes third. So we'll, we'll see uh, how that works out. So second and third is, is the deciding factor in the tiebreaker. And then we got games uh, to talk about uh, as well in the college ranks. Some of them, uh, we talk about Tuesday night, the big game that is that happened with Coastal Carolina. We'll get into that. That was huge uh, in the process. And we got coaches' interviews for the local high schools. We got uh, Coach Bennett out of 96. We got Chris Liner for the Greenwood Eagles and Tad DeBose, who was just in here. He'll talk to us a little bit uh, about uh, not only territory that he's never been in before at 0-7, but also this Chester offense that he's got to face coming up this Friday night to go along with all that. And, uh, guys, that's just a handful. And we can't forget Chris's chaos in the middle of all this. Got to keep it short and sweet. We got a lot to do. <laughs> we got to go. Let's roll. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and, and, and see if I can start it out here. While I got everything pulled up, uh, let's start with the college aspect and begin there first and foremost as Coastal Carolina went on the road, did something they haven't done in six tries ever when they've gone into Boone, and that is actually win a ball game. And uh, it's hard to believe that they came out uh, the way they did. And this game – you know, Coastal Carolina came out on fire. I they mean, did. they came out and it was fourteen nothing before you knew it. Then it was seventeen to seven after that, and and when it became seventeen to ten, and they got within that touchdown, you kind of said, "Oh, this game doesn't feel quite the same way it did." You know, eight nine minutes ago, <laughs> you, you felt that momentum switching. You did, um, but you know, Coastal stayed right there with them. They they continued to play. Uh, I think before the game. Coach said something, but you know, if we can just not turn the ball over, if we can win the turnover battle, we can win this ball game. And that's what he did. I mean, the, the last scoring drive, I mean, I thought the game was getting ready to be over because App State hit a big play and the receiver was going down the field and the Coastal came up from behind him and stripped the ball, recovered the fumble, uh, <clears throat> stayed in bounds on the recovery, which was tough to do. And then Coastal just took the ball, marched right down the field, and technically, I mean, they get down there on about the 20, and they run a Beasley up the middle, and the guy had nobody within 20 yards of him, and he slides at the two <laughs> instead of stepping into the end zone for the six. But uh, it worked out. 
well, and knew and what he was doing. He did. And, it was, and Sam Pickney was a big part of the early jump out yeah. in that one. He had uh, that big catch that went into the end zone, uh, or close to the end well, zone. one-yard line, yeah. One-yard line. But he was seven receptions for 102 yards. You have James Tucker ended up with uh, three receptions for 100 yards on the night. I mean, these are all big chunk plays. Yeah. This isn't something you do, uh, you know, against a defense from App State. But we saw North Carolina do the same thing, get those big chunk plays, and we're able to keep up with that offense. Well, you know, the the thing on App State this year was they've been having trouble stopping the run, uh, been doing a fairly decent job on the pass, and okay, uh, next thing you know, Coastal's just rotating that. Of course, that running back room they got down there, I think every coach in America would love to have what he's got. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bennett had a couple of big plays just on wheel routes out of the backfield. I mean, one, he was just wide open. It just a blown assignment. But, you know, and then you you brought in White, and White give him that little extra different little burst of speed type stuff. And then Beasley comes in, and he's power and speed. And, and he was – they showed Beasley a couple times after a couple of his runs, and he was just fired up. He wanted to play. And um, – then Chris's buddy. What what's the other running back's name? Chris. The, uh, I can't remember. Royce White. Okay. No, White played too. But then there was the other one. The Bert, um. Yeah. Had uh, uh, something like that. Jared they, they, Brown. No, Jared Brown. Balthazer. Ball, that's it. Balthazer. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. he's about the fifth or sixth running back that played. I mean, they were just rotating them in and out. Um. And all the wide that's receivers. That's something to do, but. All the wide receivers were making catches. It wasn't just Sam. It was everybody. And, uh, of course, Sam, I, don't, I think every call, every ball he caught was for 15 yards or more. But it was a good ball. Defense came up. What did we hear? What did we hear? The interview with Coach on Monday, he brought up in the, in the pregame before the game. I didn't know if you, see, if you heard it or not, but – um, there was so much what you did, what you lead to when you first brought it up was the fact that they'd never won in Boone, right? Right. So coach is doing pregame and he said, let me, let me just tell y'all something. Some of y'all have never won in Boone, right? But I have. <laughs> He's safe. It can be done. It's just a faux pot that you haven't got off your shoulders yet, but tonight we get off your shoulders and we don't ever look back at Boone and be afraid again. <laughs> that right there, that coach speak is, is, is staying like to say. Yep. That was – I got those players fired up and they're ready to play. And that's that's one of the reasons that I did take Marshall last week over NC State and chaotic because you don't really know how much NC State misses Tim Beck as the offensive coordinator. And they're struggling because of it. It's just he takes the mentality, puts it on his shoulders, and he, you know, pro- propels progressions his team to win ball games. And you don't think they even have a shot in. And it's actually the other way around. I just think he just takes over that game and that locker room. And those guys can beat anybody. They feel that way. Well, you know, in this game, to me, I I was kind of hesitant on it. I was worried about it. Uh, you know, not only are you going into Boone and where you have not won, it's, it's going to be a sellout, which it was. National TV, ESPN. But it's on Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and that, that that's just weird to me to cut the game, to cut a ball game on on Tuesday night. But that's the fun belt for you. They'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. 
And they like playing Tuesday nights for some reason. I like Tuesday night, but I mean, that's just nothing else really on. Yeah, well, that's true, too. That's true, too. <laughs> other than replays of other games. Yeah. Well, exactly. Cole, Cole still uh, have its third straight road game. They are off this Saturday, so yep. because of the Tuesday game. But they get uh, go on the road, uh, and they'll be at Arkansas State for a 7 p.m. kickoff, another night game on Saturday, October the 21st, to go along with that. So, And I believe that's a very winnable game. And that's one thing Coach alluded to in one of the interviews talking about. He was just ready to have a regular, normal Saturday game. You know, this stuff of, <laughs> oh, well, the first game we got to fly to UCLA, then we come back here, then we got this, then we got, you know, a Thursday night game, now a Tuesday night game. So, let's uh, – They've got the two losses in region. That's going to hurt them uh, in the conference. But uh, maybe crazier things have happened. So we'll see <laughs> how they come up at you. Yep. And, of course, McCall kind of got that, got off the snide, didn't throw an interception, which was what we expect from him. But this year he's – and I think the commentators alluded to it. In the first three years of his career, he had like eight total – interceptions and all of a sudden in year four now he's got six yeah. <laughs> you know he's almost matched his total for the first three so hopefully he's getting but it's a new offensive coordinator new offense uh, so there's changes that he's having to make and uh, hopefully he's getting them done now we got another he's got some more time to get into the offense and for the coordinators to get things worked out so all right, so we'll see. Um, another game is going to be uh, right here at JW Bab Stadium, which uh, will be back next week. Well, after <laughs> to that, but yeah. Erskine is going to be in action. This game's got a little extra special meaning, not only for me but also to a lot of Greenwood fans, Greenwood Eagle fans, because um, you 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 look at. Uh, uh, Carson Newman coming into town, and Carson Newman has a really, really good head football coach, and that is Mike Clowney. Mike Clowney, if you remember, from 99 to 2000 was under Shell Dula as a defensive coordinator, part of those championship teams. He ended up being the coach over at Emerald for a year and I, well, two years, wasn't it? About two years. About two years. Um, in that process. Uh, and then all of a sudden he got a, a job over at Carson Newman. Started out as one of the assistants, and he's worked his way up to be the head coach. Now he gets to make his way back. And something I didn't know is is he was Tom Butler's roommate in college. I didn't I know that. Know that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had no clue on that. <laughs> so there's a lot of history uh, with Mike Clowney coming back into Greenwood. Now, he hasn't seen the BAB the way it is as of right now. I mean, he has, uh, he's heard about the AstroTurf. He's heard about the Taj, the new scoreboard, and all that other stuff. But it's going to be interesting for him because uh, he's going to have family. His family's over in Union, so they're coming to this ball game. Um, not to mention all the fans that he's going to have yeah. for Greenwood that's going to be here. This will be a heavily favored game in, for Carson Newman more so than it will be for Erskine, and Erskine's the home team. Well, it, and this, and, uh, yeah, it's a good game to go to. Well, this is going to be a tough game for Erskine to try to win, too. I mean, Carson Newman has, you know, for for I don't know how many, it seemed like 50 years or better, had Ken Sparks as their head coach, and the man just, he was just a winner. I mean, I, I think he finally passed in 77, I think it was, somewhere along in there. But he, he built that foundation of that school and that program, and they've, they've maintained. And it's, 
this is not going to be an easy task for Erskine. And hopefully, you know, those guys can get their act together over there and let's get some balls running and let's make a few passes and try to make this a respectable game for those that do come out. But it'll be a four o'clock game. Well said. Well said. Yeah, four o'clock game over at JW Bab Stadium to go along with this. Um, you know, uh, Mike Clowney is two and four on the year as of right now, and they're just starting to get into region play, uh, or I should say conference, conference play to go play. along with that. Yeah. But Chad Boyd still at zero and six, zero and four overall right now. Things have not been <laughs> what everybody was hoping they were going to be. Um, for Erskine, there was a lot of high hopes that were coming in for them. But uh, as I said, with with Mike Clowney coming in, this this will be a little bit of a different game. You can pretty much – I don't want to say you can circle it as a win for Carson Newman, but the Eagles, I think, mm-hmm. playing in the Eagles stadium, it's going to be a win for it's those gonna guys. Be, it's going to be – and this, this could be a, a really competitive game, and then it could really be a blowout. Uh, you know, we've talked – about we need to go over there and find the high priest over there and exercise some of those demons from Erskine, much like what we need to do over here at Emerald. But uh, some bad luck along the way. And, I mean, you, uh, of course, you don't believe in luck. you got to make your own, and you've got to play the game. And yeah. I found something else, too, that – with Erskine, they next year they're not going to be playing in the sack. They're going to be playing in the um, – uh, is it that same thing PC's in? No, it's the same thing that, that North Greenville is right, in right. And, and Vidosta State, okay. Delta uh, well, State. That, that region, I mean, that, that conference Golf isn't South getting any conference. Golf South Conference, that's and, who I'm thinking And that of. conference isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. They've already played Chowin, and you know, yeah. and we saw how that went. They played shorter already. We saw how that went. Um, it, it's just, it's not it's going to get any easier whatsoever, but they will be the newcomer coming up next year going into that conference. And, and you know, Valdosta State, they're not that far removed from their national, national championship, championship a few years yep. ago. So uh, we'll see. And we've seen what North Greenville did. That should be a fun one, North Greenville. And, and North Greenville does come to Greenwood and, and the Lakelands area and recruits players and gets players to come up there and play. So it'll be a, a homecoming of some for when North Greenville does get to come to the bath. So, all right. Um, let me ask you really quick before we start: is that is that not the same conference that Anderson's going to play in? Also, no, Anderson's going in the sack. Oh, they're going where we're at now. Okay. Yeah, they're where, where they're yeah. at now. So, and and they okay. will be competitive in that. I'm pretty sure of that. Oh yeah, Bobby oh, Lamb will have those no boys doubt. ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with all that. So that's the latest on Erskine. Uh, as I said, game time's at 4 o'clock Saturday over at JW Bab Stadium if you want to come on out. Uh, it'd be good to see Mike Clowney once again. Uh, I might just stop in and he'll <laughs> say, hey, you remember me, kind of a moment uh, more or less <laughs> when you look at it. it's It's been a long time. we got to go back to 2000. 2010, 2009, some, nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, 2008 and 2009. Wow. That's a long time. You just time want to ago. go back because we haven't been there either, so that's why you want to get back. <laughs> that's right. It's going to be a month and a half before we actually get back to the bath. Yeah. Uh, go along with it. But. We're all out of withdrawals. <laughs> 
<laughs> Should be fun. I hope everybody will get a chance to come on out 4 o'clock this Saturday. Uh, cheer on the fleet as Carson Newman and the Eagles will make their way into Eagle Stadium to go along with that. Going to be a weird feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Going to be a weird, weird feeling. All right, uh, let's talk about the Gamecocks because uh, they are going to be in action on uh, this Saturday. And uh, right now the Gamecocks are one-point favorite of all things, and this is going to be at uh, Willie B to go along with it. Over-under is 53 for right now, and uh, the Florida Gators are 4-2. and two. They're, they're, kinda, they're having a better season than the Gamecocks, but their opponents haven't been quite as good. Now, they both have played Tennessee. Um, of course, Florida ended up uh, on the losing end, as did South Carolina in this one. But th- th- these are the numbers that, that I want to shoot at you just kind of See what you guys think concerning the passing yardage for the Gators. Uh, they've given up 996 yards of passing. Um, they're 20th right now in college football as far as that goes. They've also uh, um, conceded 166 yards per contest via the pass in addition to a completion percentage of just 56.5% uh, to go along with that. And then they've surrendered six touchdowns uh, through the air in addition to seven touchdowns on the ground, and they've given up an average of 4.3 yards per attempt for about 120 rushing yards per contest. And I think that's a telling factor that is there despite, you know, that there are, I think – 50-something as far as the rushing game goes in the nation. But for the most part, that's better than the 78 per yards per game that yeah, South Carolina's averaging right now. Well, I think, you know, I think if you ask the Carolina coaches, you know, their benchmark or what they want to try to strive to attain in the rushing game is if we can get 150 yards rushing, then that's going to help relieve a lot of the pressure on Rattler, which will – you know, he'll be able to make his throws and the guys on the outside make their catches. But we got to get to that 150. Now, we showed some signs of life. I believe that coming into this game after the off week, Mario Anderson's going to be RB1. I, I, I firmly believe it. Uh, I love the can, and I, I, I appreciate his dedication and loyalty to the school. But uh, the can – you're going to be a better fit either in the slot or coming in playing Wildcat or second-team quarterback, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to do. But uh, you'll still get some touches, but we got to get Mario in. It's just He showed at the Tennessee game that he is a division two, uh, a power five school running back. So we got to hand him the ball more than ten times, though. He needs to be getting the ball 15 to 20 times a game. And I think everybody, we're getting people healthy. You know, at one time we had seven offensive linemen that were injured. Uh, So hopefully with double treatment week and we get a lot of those guys back, we're starting two freshmen on the offensive line, uh, extra week of practice, uh, just practice, working on the little things, you know, the communications and all. This is a big game, South Carolina. Now, for everybody that's going, everybody knows this is State Fair Week and it's homecoming. So <laughs> traffic patterns are going to be a nightmare. If you don't already have a parking spot, uh, don't think you're going to park in the fairgrounds because that's not going to happen. So you're going to – and uh, prices on parking, the closer you get to the stadium, the higher they're going to be. So – uh, get there early because all, all of them are going to fill up early. I think uh, 
Our girl told us that she was going to open our lot up at 9 o'clock in the morning for a 3.30 start time. <laughs> so she's wanting people to hurry up and get there So because of traffic. That's a smart move, uh, you're home coming in and the state fairground and stuff. For me, this, this game comes under two things. For one, I think I did see where your boy G. Swells is not going to play this week. Nope, they're still uh, holding him out. He is but, uh, He is doing some stuff at practice over the last two weeks. He came out of his boot about two weeks ago. But uh, they're still, I guess what you'd call, just getting him in game shape and making sure they don't want to bring him back unless he is 100%. And the doctors haven't. I think they've released him to practice, maybe non-contact practice, but let him practice, so. But you do get a Marion Brown back, and that's yeah, key and for that's the gap because that gives him another receiver. Yeah, and Knox has started to come on at tight end. He's starting to show us what we thought he would be coming in for the into this year uh, at tight end. So uh, I think we've got a good chance of winning this game. I don't think Florida's played great on the road. Uh, you can go back to the Kentucky game mm-hmm. and look; they were horrible. Um, and it is tough to win in any conference in any league when you go on the road, and especially when you go into a, a crowd that is going to be there Saturday, and it's a three thirty start time, so it's going to be it's going to be loud. I hope the quarterbacks. <laughs> I like ready for I like it. for Florida though. I like Graham Mertz in Florida against Rattler just because that's uh, who it is. But I mean, Rattler's played a real—he's—I gotta give him credit—he's played really well this year. He's seventy-four percent passing, and like I said, he's got two rushing touchdowns going with it. But he's going against Graham Mertz, who's actually eighty-one percent passing for the season, and he has more yards passing. He has more touchdowns and less picks than Rattler does. Defense in Carolina—they want to win this game. That's who they got to stop. It's Graham Mertz. If they can't do it. They're going to get beat. Well, here, here's the thing with Merck. So, most of his passes have been in that uh, short to medium range. It hadn't been – he doesn't take a lot of shots downfield for whatever reason, They whether they're not calling them or what. Uh, but they do have a decent running game with ETN. And I know he's been banged up, but I don't know. That's I the difference maker for me. It's going to be yeah, ETN he, if they if can stop he's him. Back, if he's back at 100%, um, you're still going to have to cover the little short stuff. And our secondary is getting better. And with two weeks to prepare, uh, I look for him to play better. So. Well, Leggins has basically come out this week and he said that we focused on getting this offense better. I mean, he made a statement that we've got all these playmakers. We need to utilize them and get them involved somehow, some way. So that's kind of the big factor for him is how are we going to get that ball to these playmakers? So I'm anxious to see what changes they made in order to have all that happen, Chris. I'll agree. Like I said, this is the chance for him to showcase what he can do. Um, I mean, you know, I'm waiting on it. I'm, I'm waiting on the CD offenses. Uh, but, you know, Nick Kenarak's thing, I mean, I think that's what we've done too a lot. That We haven't been downfield tearing up anybody either with a long pass to break it open. And I just still worry about running the football. I got a stat right here that just really bothered me. And I know it's the fact that Mario hadn't had the ball a lot. You got Mario Anderson. He's got 44 carries for 230 yards. Now, we both know 
the two of those games are big games to where he had a hundred yards rushing each game. Just got to get him that we think he's got. Mm-hmm. I don't see that guy potential. You know, every time. Oh, hold on a second, Chris. Hold on. Yeah, hold on. You're breaking up on me, so I, I don't know if you moved or what ended up happening. But I'm gonna. I moved. There you go. Okay, you sound better now. <laughs> I'm outside, so if you hear a train or whatever, that's because I'm outside doing this thing. But, but like I said, I think it's, it's a wonderful game for the game, guys. I just, I don't see us winning. I just, I think defensively, we're going to give a little bit of too much to Graham Mertz, and unless we get pressure on him, he's going to find those dump passes and those longer passes and he's going to convert yeah and you know that's going to be the the key factor can they get that running game and get those playmakers and I, what i'm expecting to see is a lot kind of like what what greenwood does and that is the little quick outs to the, the running back or a little quick out to, to the guy in the in the post or something of that nature where they can get let them do their thing let them be the playmakers that they are Get the playmaker yeah, in space with the ball. Yep. So that's kind of what I'm. I'm. I think I'm going to see, but uh, we'll find out tomorrow night. Maybe they'll get the fast wheel in their eyes and won't be able to see the ball. <laughs> yeah. Or smell, 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 smell the corn dogs and the funnel cakes and all that fast food cooking and want to go over there instead of playing ball. Heck, I just hope the fans are going to be just as rowdy. They may be full oh, of all that stuff and just no. kind of sitting back and go, oh, my stomach's full kind of a thing. <laughs> on that funnel cake high. Can... There you go. <laughs> get, get energized, though, on funnel cakes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, so that leads us to one more game we need to talk about, and that is PC as they're going to be going on the road and uh, and taking on Dayton. Now, Dayton last year ended up whooping on them 52-28, to but this is a much better uh, Blue Hose team when you look at what they've been able to do. Uh, and, I, and I think the game against Butler is – um, just that much bigger, and the Walford game for that matter, is the confidence level now of Presbyterian is there where it was building last year. It's there now. They know they can go in and win. And this is going to be at Dayton, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this being a much closer game. It may still go in favor uh, of those guys, but for the most part, they're, they're going to have to earn it. Well, I, I mean, too, you know, we, don't, we got to start looking at We're getting into that time of year when teams start traveling north, uh, the temperatures are going to be a little bit different. Uh, instead of the rain that we're getting, they may have some snow because they were having snow in the Dakotas this earlier this week. They so, had them beginning of the week, yeah. Yeah, so we you don't ever know, but uh, hopefully PC will go up there. They'll be prepared. We know that coaching staff is going to have those guys ready to play. And, you know, come out and come out aggressive and come out wanting to win the ball game. Don't just come out there to play. Come out there wanting to win. Yeah, I like it, Stan. I like that. And here's something that's, that's interesting right now. As far as points per game, PC's averaging 24.4, whereas Dayton's averaging 26.6. Points allowed, 26.6. For uh, PC, 29.3. This game has the possibility, possibility of being, be, being really, really tight. It'll be like the Coastal App State game the other night. You know, it's it'll come down to the last play and who's got the ball on the last play. <laughs> uh, when the turnover battle, Coach, don't, you know, try to keep the penalties down and you can win the ball game. 
Yeah, I'm actually see how Wesley does. Uh, he's had a fantastic yep. year so far, so you put him back there at quarterback. And now they do have the advantage in the passing department by almost 100 yards. Um, and Dayton's running attack is about 30 yards better than PC's. But for the most part, um, you know, I – I really hope that PC can pull this out, and, and Wesley's going to be the, the key factor the for key it. He's fight, got to yeah. be on target uh, for this one. I agree. Don Kirby's got to do something running the football for PC. He's only got 18 carries, but he does have four touchdowns. And, and his counterpart, like you alluded to, is Michael Neal. Uh, at the, and uh, he's got three touchdowns rushing, almost 500 yards. So he's getting it done on the ground. I just This is the game. This is not a must-win game for PC, but I think it's one that you need on the road. And I think it's very winnable on the road. Yeah. I think it's one that they, they they should have enough confidence going in that they can win this ball game and, and go in there and win it. Since we're on that game, you're going to hit my music if you want to talk here because that is one of my chaotic <laughs> picks, by the way. Oh, it's no. PC on the road. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll get to Clemson here in a minute. But first, before we do that, here's Chris's chaos, the games that are going to make uh, this college world turn over in their graves. <laughs> like I said, that's the game I just really want to be a win for PC. But like I said, it's on the road, a tough environment. Like I said, kind of like two or two weeks you know, two out of three weeks in a row, they've been on the road, and they've been up the same distance, same area. So uh, we'll go through it real quick for you. Uh, for Stanham, I got one for him right here. I'm going, you know, I've been high on Drake May in North Carolina and everything the coach is doing in Tar Heels. But, you know, they got a tough team from Miami. And like we talked about earlier, uh, just a bonehead mistake, stupid Saturday is what Phil Cornblue called it. And Miami Hurricanes and Mario Cristobal, they come into Chapel Hill, and I think they win one. I think they pull one to try to atone for the loss last week, uh, you know, at, <laughs> let's just call it, that was just a bonehead coaching mistake that he made. Georgia Tech won the games because of it. But And then it's time, like I talked to you, I think the second game for me is going to be NC State, who is a team, I'm not a big Dave Doran fan. They're, they're switching quarterbacks around. They're switching running backs, receivers. And they're playing at Duke. And I just think, I, I think the injury arrival is a little more serious than we think it is. And I can see NC State winning that game, especially if Riley Leonard can't go he because can't he go. Freshman backing him up. Yeah, so. it's, it's already been said he wasn't going to go. But I, okay. I'm on. I'll agree with you with the Miami game. I think Miami's yeah. got a lot to prove to a lot of people, and this is going to be their statement game, so to speak. Uh, and Duke coming the same way. They're going to come. They're going to say, "Come on, North Carolina State, we're ready for you. We're going to show you that one player does not make the Duke University." football team and oh, they yeah and they <laughs> but they are senior laden up front they've got backs they've got skilled people their defense is the same way and bigger faster older a lot of times it's going to win here's here's the problem this is why I go against you on this one Stan Henry Henry Beelan's the quarterback he's the fifth by the way he's 8 for 8 passes for 180 yards but he's a true freshman where you where else you lose is, is Riley Leonard's also the second the second leader rusher on that football team for Duke. So now you not only your starting quarterback, but your your veteran at running back also. The only other running back you got is Jordan Waters, and he's only got uh, 52 carries for 300 yards. I mean, he does have eight touchdowns, but uh, I just see that loss as more than just a, a quarterback that can't go for the game. I, defensively, there's no doubt Duke's better. I, I will give you that, but I just well, and, 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 go ahead. I think that that's one thing that uh, the Duke coaching staff is probably going to say. 
uh, just like Alabama's doing with Milrow. You go manage the game. Don't make the mistakes. And we can still win this ball game. We've got enough talent on this team with our defense. We can put a – we might not have to put but 12 points on the board and beat them 12 to 10. <laughs> you know, it, it can be that kind of game. I think it's going to be a really good game. Yeah. I don't turn off because one player can't play. I just yeah. think that he's just, they lose more than just the quarterback. They're losing yeah. their, like I said, second leading rusher. And, he's, and well, mainly that's their main touchdown maker. Well, he's their leader, too. I mean, you know, and it's always now you got to find that other leader, that other vocal guy that's going to get the whole team ready to go. So, three good picks, my friend. Three good picks. I like that. We, I got one more project, but then I'll be done. But Uh-oh. And it's not really an upset because I'm going to take Missouri on the road at Kentucky. Both of them have the same win-loss record, I think. Uh, Cook's a better quarterback than O'Leary is. And I think he chose it this week, and I think that Missouri did win. Uh, like I said, Schrader at running back, he's got six touchdowns rushing. Uh, and Ray, Ray Davis didn't show us anything at Georgia. Well, we knew that they were going to focus on him running the ball. And if, if Kentucky was to beat Georgia, you'd have to beat them through the air. And it comes down to Tavian uh, Robinson at, at the theater against Luther Burden the third. And they say Luther Burden's the fastest guy in the SEC. So we'll see. Well, we're going to find – I think Kentucky's going to be much like Miami. They're going to come out mad there at home. They're coming out mad to show the world that that beatdown that Georgia put on them, that was not who they were as a team. Missouri having to go on the road, uh, Missouri's defense is just is, – It's better than Kentucky's. It's, <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, we're going to flip a coin on that well one. Well, with but, LSU, I thought. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. That That's a that's going to be another interesting game to watch. All right. I mean, there's so many of them. I continually go down my list. Man, there's so many games. That didn't got in the mid against Willie with Oregon and Washington. But, like I said, that, that, that's not a chaotic pick. You figure you want to eat away and you're going to do fine. It's just not enough chaos in that for Detroit to be one of my games. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, now back to the Tigers now. I think uh-huh. they're idle this week. So kind of like, like game cost last week, they can't lose. <laughs> well, this is the week that Clemson, you know, we said all along that we thought that Klubnik and the offense was improving. Uh, so, you know, this is the week where they work on the little stuff. They work on the younger kids a little bit more. But uh, – I look to see after this week, you know, Clemson really starts the meat of their schedule. I mean, they've got to go to Miami. And, you know, Miami may not be the world beater that they were a few years ago, but they still got a pretty good solid team down there. We have seen that their coaches can make bonehead calls. But, (laughs) you know, hey, let's let's get in the real world here. Clemson's – Coaches have made some bonehead calls this year, too, that we had all our heads scratching. Yeah. Which brings me to a point with Phil Cornblute coming to the Greenwood Touchdown Club on Monday. I think he kind of put South Carolina and Clemson fans into check, well, a reality well, check, check of yeah. all things and said, hey, you guys are what your record says yeah. you are well, um, yeah. with all of that. So he, he kind of brought that out. But uh, – <laughs> He also made mention of the fact of, of what the NIL, what oh, they were making. Yeah. And that just was mind-boggling to me that every scholarship player at Clemson um, was making at least $40,000. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was there. And then he brought up what was going on at Utah. All of them got yeah, new trucks. Yeah, new trucks. And uh, <laughs> the freshman quarterback at Tennessee that hadn't played it down is getting $8 million. Yeah. Uh, go figure. Let me go, let me go back to when I was 18. Let's see if I can get me an $8 million <laughs> deal, sit on the bench and make a few notes. Yeah. But the, the one question everybody asked Phil was, why isn't the Clemson offense like TCU's offense? Yeah. Well, they finally asked Riley that, Garrett Riley that, this week. Here's what he had to say concerning uh, that question, why TCU's offense was so much better than this Clemson offense is right now. I mean, every offense is different. You know, I mean, we got we got different players. You got different players and, um, you know, you got a younger quarterback and just all of those things, right? I mean, but we're attacking a lot of the same ways. I mean, not a lot of difference there, I would say, you know, of just kind of who we have and who we are right now and just trying to work through it, you know, and, and kind of the last few games, it's getting off to a faster start, I think would allow us to probably unhook the plow almost a little bit, a little bit sooner, right? You know, we're just, we took some negative plays in the Syracuse game. And we did a much better job of that in the Wake Forest game of not taking as many negative plays, um, you know. But we just had too many, like I said, just playing with ten too much the other day. Um, but I guess my response to that just would be, no, it's it's the same. Um, but you just got to adapt to kind of the personnel that you got. So there you have a little bit, and he, he, I think he answered it as honestly uh, well, as he could. You go back and you look at every stop he had had before he got to Clemson. He he had that junior, senior, older more experienced quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and we said it from day one with Klubnik that, you know, you can see the talent there, but he's got to have game time. And you're going to have to put up with some mistakes. And when you're used to having the Trevor Lawrence's and the Deshaun Watson of the <laughs> world, uh, a mistake by the quarterback isn't something that a lot of Clemson people want to look at. Yeah, and you got to remember that Trevor and Deshaun <laughs> yeah. did the same thing when they were yeah. freshmen and sophomores. So. You know, so let's let's give the kid a break. Let him. He, you're gonna probably see a big difference in him from the weight game and when you get to Miami. Now, he might have some nightmares about Miami because that was his first college start against Tennessee down there. So he's got to exercise those demons and say. That's behind me. This is a new game, a new team. And I have got six, seven ball games under my belt now. I am better than I was that night. And, you know, we got good people around me. I just got to make the right decisions. And I think the Riley, it's the scheme. And he's got to adapt his scheme to his personnel. And I felt like he's doing a pretty good job of that now. I still say that, you know, you got Shipley and you got Moffa. You you need to hand the ball to those guys. You know, those guys, they ought to be 30 touches between the two of them every game. And we saw that a little bit in the Wake Forest game in the second half. They started, started to run the ball more instead of trying to throw it in. Yep. So, I mean, the, the questions are, are they going to get better, I guess, is what yeah. most people are wanting to have happen. And, and, and I think and, they yeah, are. I, I mean, I think we've seen the progress. If you know what you're looking at and you go back and you watch the Tennessee game from last year, the bowl game, watch the Duke game, and then now look at what Klubnik's doing, what the wide – you've actually got a wide receiver now that's getting open on just about every play, and that's Brown. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But you got Williams coming back now, so 
you know, you got two more weeks of him getting ready. I mean, he's going to be ready to play come Miami. I mean, It'll be you know, another, another weapon. Another weapon. So let's figure out how we're going to use all these weapons. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, Riley's the real deal. No doubt about it. I, I like him being a coach. I like him better than my coordinator. Let's just say that. But what, do you, what, we, what we forget about is you look at a TCU team. They did play Georgia. Not great, by the way, but they, they played them nonetheless in the championship game. Keandre Miller was the running back. He's now with the Houston Texans that's doing a lot of good things. He only had maybe 40 or 50 carries for the whole season. He was used like as a receiver out of the backfield like what Stan's talking about. That's why I'm a little surprised that Shipley hasn't got more involved in more of a, a scheme play. As you say, scheme up the dump passes, the, the, the blitz, I mean, the um, – the quarterback draws to him to where they dump pass and, and the receiver screens and stuff like that. That's where you're going to get the most out of a Shipley. Now, Mop is a guy you've got to get the ball let him go. Yeah. So well, that, and that's I, what Clemson will do next week. And I think if you want to see the uh, prime use of a running back, and I'm not saying these two guys are the same, but you look at that Coastal game and what Bennett was able to do, take the ball, run it up the middle, then next thing you know he's on a wheel route and he's going down the sideline wide open, and Shipley can do the same thing because Shipley can't catch the ball. So that that's where Riley's off. We're not going to say it's based there, but I think a lot of his stuff is just like any other coordinator. I want to get the ball to my playmakers in as space. As quickly as I can, yeah. And as quickly as I can. And if that means screen left, screen right, so be it, you know. <laughs> How many Super Bowls does San Fran win with two-yard passes and Jerry Rice taking it 98 <laughs> yards? I mean, come on. All right. We're in Howard's on Main in Uptown Greenwood. We invite you to come on by and take part. It is Thursday, the twice-baked potato with a ribeye steak sandwich is a special today. Haley has been working the bar a little bit as well uh, as they yeah. get ready for the happy hour towers to begin with b Raddies in the house now, too. So uh, come on by, see the great staff here, the great food to go along with it, and the live entertainment is going to be happening uh, Friday and Saturday nights also. It's just fantastic around here. One of the best live entertainment spots ever is right here at Howard's on Main. So come on by, see uh, see Howard and his staff. By the way, a special thanks to Howard Corley and the staff because they ended up feeding the Greenwood Eagles yesterday after practice. Um, uh, uh, and, and the boys ate everything. I mean, they, I don't know if they licked the pants they, clean. They, they probably but, didn't have to wash the pants when they got them back. There was no food, no food left. coming back whatsoever. So, again, great, you know, great job in, in being a community leader as well as Howard's on Main here go along with that. All right, uh, quick uh, update. want to let everybody know that Emerald Softball's 2023 fall workouts ha- are going to be underway starting next Monday from 4 to 6 o'clock. That is open for any uh, athlete that is 7th through 12th grade that is interested in playing softball at Emerald High School. Uh, you need to have your current physical on file, uh, so go ahead and get that done. Make sure that they get it uh, to the athletic office. Go by and see Tanya out there. Um, and she does a great job of making sure everybody stays legal and where they need to be uh, in the process. And I, I miss her over at, at, at Sunny 103.5. I wish she would 
<laughs> wouldn't have left, yeah. but she is doing great things over at Emerald right now. And if you have any questions, contact Coach Agnew. His email is A-G-N-E-W-T at Greenwood50.org. That's GWD50.org. So Agnew uh, at GWD50.org if you got questions about softball this year. So they get the fall softball underway. And i got to make mention, too, good luck to both Emerald High School and Greenwood High School as they've got the uh, swimming championships, the state meets that are going to be taking place this weekend. We've got a bunch of folks that are going to end up going to all of that. We wish them the best of luck. Um, I know – Emerald starts at 12, and I think the 4A starts at like 4 o'clock. Oh, something like that. So it's a little later on in the process, so we wish them the best of luck uh, as well, all of them that are going there. And I think next week is when uh, Skeezes' state championship, swimming championship is, um, and I know that's down in Augusta. I'm not sure where Emerald and Greenwood are. Before it has been up in Rock Hill, I think this year they're down in Augusta at Fort Gordon, if I'm not mistaken, but I'll double-check on that. There you go. And see, yeah, in Georgia of all things, they have the South Carolina Swimming Championships in Georgia. That would that would not make any sense. Does not. <laughs> well, this high school league, they, you know, we scratch our head a lot of times about some of the decisions that they come up with. So, all right, and then uh, that leads us before we get into football. Let's talk a little volleyball because the Lady Eagles they had a, a tough road match earlier this week. They went on the road to take on Greenville in a regional matchup. They ended up losing uh, one set to three. It was twenty five twenty. Uh, in favor of Greenville, uh, then they went, uh, Greenville won the next one, 25-20, then they lost 18-25, 18-25. So they were in the games for all of this, um, and they wrap up their regular season. Matter of fact, tonight they're going to be on the road. They're going to Pickens. Right now the Eagles sit at 15-13 and 13 for the regular season. They're 5-4 and four in region play. And then we want to encourage everybody, if you get a chance to go over to Newberry High School in the gymnasium over there, the uh, Emerald Vikings varsity volleyball team is going to be playing Woodruff for a tiebreaker for second place in the region uh, tonight. Uh, as I said, it's being held at Newberry High School. Tickets, uh, you can get them online at gofan.co um, as well. Get them there. But we want to see a, hopefully a great turnout there cheering on the Emerald Vikings uh, as they want to stay home during the playoffs here. they got to get that second place win. Right now they're in that tie with Woodruff. Wow, how important is that game? <laughs> Wow. That's yep. huge. Huge. That is huge. And then other uh, athletic notes, um, boys varsity volleyball fell to east side three to nothing uh, in that one. And girls, uh, Greenwood girls varsity golf, they finished fourth at the regional tournament um, right behind Greenville easily and Pickens was number one in mm. that regard. But uh, Maddie Jones had another fantastic, she shot uh, 92 for 18 holes. Aubrey Holland had a 96. Eva Crago had a 101. Hannah Mitchell a 106. Um, and that was her best score, all best shots that they've had all year long. So congrats to them. Now they get to go Monday to the Upper State Qualifier and attempt to advance the state championship. So they're going to be up there with some good company. Yep. All right. You rolling the putt? You guys ready to talk some football? <laughs> yeah, let's, well, let's talk some football. Let's talk some high school football. Let's talk some high school football. Why don't we start with the game that we're going to be at as the Westside Rams are going to host our Greenwood Eagles. Westside 6-1 and one overall. Their only loss coming to BHP. They're 2-0 and oh in region play as of right now. They're putting up almost 45 points a game, and they're only giving up about 22 uh, in this one. And right now they're ranked fifth in 4A. Greenwood is 4-3 and three overall, 2-0 and oh in region play. These are the top two right now in the region, number one and number two. Two and uh, you know West, 
in playing Westside coming in, we've given up uh, 25 points a game. We've scored 22, averaging 22 points a game as of right now. So, uh, but this is we, you know our offense. We've watched kind of develop and change uh, in the addition of Alon Wade and you know where they've moved some of the people in the secondary, putting KB at safety and moving uh, Higgins and, and some others out to the corner spot, adding a little more height and, and speed over there. I, th- I think you know this is a different team than Westside, uh, I think, saw at the beginning of the year if they're watching tape in that regard. Of course, they only go back a couple of games uh, as far as the tape goes. So, uh, yeah, they're going to see a little bit. <laughs> but every game, there's been a new wrinkle that's been added. I was going to say, we saw some new wrinkles last week with uh, with Wade and Tank both lining up in the backfield and staying in the backfield even with the snap of the ball. Usually, you know, if you got two backs, one of them usually goes in motion and blah, 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 blah. But uh, we're seeing Coach Liner kind of opening up the play, not to say that these plays weren't in the playbook already, but now we've had two weeks to get ready for Westside. That playbook probably doubled. <laughs> it probably and, doubles for this game. Yeah, the play may be the same, but instead of you lining up here, you're going to line up over here we're going to put this one in motion instead of that one in motion. Instead of running that quick out, you're going to run a quick in. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we're going to see some stuff. I think he's going to surprise Westside. Yeah, I think so, too. Here is Coach Leonard. had a chance to talk with him earlier today about this Westside team and what to expect against a really good offense and a really good defense. So, um, and they do a really good job of it. That's for sure. I mean, they've been on a roll um, since week zero. You know, they struggled the first game against BHP. You know, BHP is, you know, probably my favorite to win it all in 3A. I mean, they're really good. We scrimmaged them in the preseason, and they've got um, some elite players, two elite running backs, one super elite running back. And I think they ran the ball 70 times against them and uh, were able to win. But since that point, you know, they've Westside's really shorted up. You know, Westside's – Maybe got the best quarterback in the state in Cutter Woods. Um, if if there's a better one, I'd like to see it because he can make all the throws. I mean, he makes the P5 collegiate throws, and um, and he's an athlete. You know, he can hurt you with his legs. And then he's got a ton of weapons with, you know, number five, Josh Williams, number 11, uh, Jamar Boston, you know, a lot of guys. And see, a lot of people don't realize last year uh, Westside kind of ran into a similar thing to us is um, – they really, you know, everybody thought they may be a contender for the title, and, and uh, they had a ton of kids. Uh, I'm talking about North-South Shrine Bowl kids get hurt uh, during the season. And, um, you know, Coach Early and I talked about it actually at our game, just the number of injuries on both sides. But they lost some kids that they could not afford to lose and, and still had a great year. Um, but uh, I think it could have been even better. And now a lot of those guys are back on this team, and uh, they've been able to stay healthy for the most part. They've missed a few guys here and there. But – um, they're elite on offense at every position. They're running back number two. Uh, Sherrod Richardson is, is really good. Um, and like I said, 5'11". They've got a, a plethora of wide outs. Number 14 is really good. I could go on and on and on. And then they're big up front. So, you know, they, um, uh, they're a force to be reckoned with on offense. And then defensively, they're also, you know, big and strong and fast. And, uh, you know, we got our work cut out for us there, there as well. And, and the funny thing is, and I've – you know, tried to, uh, you know, illustrate this to our players over the last several weeks. And if you looked at a lot of the elite teams we've played this year, 
a lot of them have played their best players both ways, and and you will see that you know with Westside tonight is um, they're 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 dudes. Uh, they don't come off the field, and uh, or they come off the field very little, and so. Um, you know, I, I like that and uh, kind of reminds me of our high school days. You know, if you could play, you just played. And so um, then it got away from that, but it's starting to come back. You know, you just don't have a lot of depth anymore for a lot of different reasons. But, um, you know, they are uh, – West Side's really, really good, but we're really excited to play them. So, um, so there you have uh, Coach Chris Liner with the Greenwood Eagles, what he had yep. to say about this West Side team. And, it, 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 you know, one thing that, that – and I'm sure he won't mind me saying it, but it's supposed to rain tomorrow, <laughs> like it's raining today. But it's supposed to rain tomorrow, and, and he's he's hoping it just rains buckets and that it is sloppy <laughs> wet out there. <laughs> I mean, we know they have AstroTurf up there, but it, hopefully it don't drain and when there's more water on the field and – yeah, he Turf. wants he wants you know with Greenwood we've got the advantage in the yeah. running game I think is is what he's looking at yeah. in that regard, um, and if you can limit uh, you know Carter Woods to, <laughs> to not throwing the ball nearly as much with a slick ball in that regard, um, it plays towards your advantage. Well, take the ball, have some long you know have those fifteen to eighteen play drives that take up seven eight minutes off the clock, which we have seen Greenwood do on more than one occasion against really good opponents. So the, we do that, you know, hopefully the defense, we've made some change. The defense is looking better, playing better. Uh, we still got some guys that are going to hit you, and we saw that last week. So uh, that D-line, Westside better be ready because <laughs> they're they coming after Cutter Wood. I guarantee you they're coming after him. That's what we're hoping. I like it. All right. Uh, the other game uh, that's going to be on the road. Actually, we don't have any games here in Greenwood. Everybody's going to be on the, on the road, road or on a bye week. Um, but Emerald is at Chester. Chester ranked number seven right now in 3A. They're averaging 34.5 points, giving up only 12.8. Uh, and Emerald right now sitting It's like a total reversal. I mean, yeah. Chester 7-1, and 2-0 and oh in region. Emerald's 0-7, oh 0-1 oh in region right now. They're averaging about 18 points a game, giving up about 30 uh, in regard. But, you know, it's it, when I had a chance to talk with, with – Tad DeBose earlier this week, and I happened to mention to him, you know, uh, you know, uh, that we needed a, an exorcist or something. <laughs> that was going to have to come out there and, and talk, you know, something uh, about, you know, what's going on. Is there a curse on the team or whatever? He basically came out and said, we're snake bitten. Um, and here's a little bit about what he had to say concerning this game and getting ready for it uh, overall um, and what happened last week to go along with it is where we start. Well, we've, we've – you know, if you if you keep in score, we got four games that we've lost by a combined eight points. Mm-hmm. I mean, then this, you know, our kids are giving great effort, and I hate it for them. And uh, you you know the the word snake bit. You know, we just we we we're playing just good enough to barely lose. Um, our kids made a, a lot of improvements this past week. We went from thirteen penalties down to five. Went from 130-yard penalties down to 35 yards in penalties. Our kids competed hard, scored 30-something points, and uh, comes down to no time on the clock, two-point play, and we blow a coverage, and congratulations, Woodruff. And, you know, it's it's hard to stand down there with your team and give them the same speech seven weeks in a row that we're, we're playing decent football, but we don't have a win to show for it. So it's – 
you know, I hate it for our kids, and 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 nobody loves being zero and seven. I know our fans aren't happy, uh, our coaches aren't happy, our kids aren't happy, but it's where we're at. We're gonna poke our chest out and hold our chin up, and and continue to try to improve. This week, we got to play a a really good Chester team who is seven and one, and um, you know, and probably one of the best, you know, one of the top five teams in three A. So we'll we'll turn around and go to work this week and try to improve and and go up to Chester this week and play in a way that can make people proud. Now, Chester is more of a running team, correct? They like to run the football. Uh, their quarterback <laughs> is very ad- adequate at throwing the ball. Um, that is Coach Floyd's son. So uh, he had a little shoulder surgery in the offseason, and, you know, they don't put a lot of pressure on him. They hadn't had to for him to throw it here lately. Um, they run a trio of running backs back there, are very capable and, and very good at running the football. They're huge up front. Um, they're very physical defensively, but offensively, they want to run the football down your throat. You guys are just as big and, and just as physical on that on that defensive line. I would imagine that the it's secondary is going to be challenged with that. Well, you know, if you're looking at us, you know, one week our our run defense is really good and our secondary is bad, and then the next week it flip flops. Um, we hadn't put a complete game together defensively. Um, we're having to move some people around because of chipped up and, and injuries, and we're having to play key on defense a lot. Last week, you know, key offensively rushed for 166 yards and two touchdowns, and defensively had four tackles, two assists, and a and an interception. So, uh, you know, a great night for Key Holloway. Um, you know, another one last week, A.J. Anderson rushed for over 100 yards on 18 carries and had a couple of touchdowns, you know, so – uh, AJ's having to play some D-line now. And, you know, and Carson Wright's playing receiver. He had 36 yards receiving the other night. He's turning around and playing safety. So, you know, we're moving people around and having to play both ways right now. We got, you know, about five or six people chipped up and out. So, um, you know, we, it, it's that time of year in football. You know, everybody's dealing with the injury bug and, and everybody gets banged up. But, um, you know, we, being 0-7, it kind of kills the morale a little bit. And our kids, you know, once again, I hate it for them. Um, I hate it for them because they gave great effort the other night. And we just, we just got to get over the hump. So there you have uh, Coach Tad DeBose, what he had to say uh, concerning Chester. And also you heard, uh, you know, the coaches aren't happy. Fans aren't happy. Everybody knows that. He's got to find some way to turn it around. They lost another offensive lineman last week, uh, and, and hence the mentioning of everybody starting to play both ways. And, and as you heard with Coach Chris Liner also, that you know that's becoming more the norm now. you got your best players on the field at all times. Well, and, and two Coach, you know, alluded to, you know, they hadn't won a ball game. But this is probably the best oh forever football team in the state of South Carolina. They've got to win one game. Got to win one game to make the playoffs, and and, and they, they, then they can go on a run. And they can they can start that run this weekend. I think they they're still capable. I mean, yeah, they going into a hostile environment, but make it your environment. You can take those people out of the, out of the <laughs> equation real quick, coach. Just jump on them early, and when you mash the gas, don't let off of it. <laughs> Because you mm-hmm. saw, I mean, he showed he was capable of scoring 30, 35 they points. Yeah. You know, go ahead, put hang 35 on Chester, and let's see if they can put 36 Turn on you. You know, might not. 
Give it a chance. See what happens. Yep. All right. So best of luck to Emerald. 7.30 is going to be kickoff time up there at Chester, and uh, we'll be rooting for them for sure. Um, but if you can go out there, help them out a little, yep. make that more of a home crowd for them, that would be much appreciated. And then Greenwood Christian, they've got a bye this week. Um, I know Coach Rudy's excited about the chance to kind of heal up Rest for himself and, 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 and get ready for the rest of his schedule coming up. Because October 20th, they got Spartanburg Christian at Victory Field. Uh, that's going to be happening. So another big game for them. And then, uh, Chris, this is the fun one. 96 goes to Liberty. Liberty's 5-2, and 1-1 one and one in region play. Their only loss in region play was to Abbeville. 96 is 6-1, and 2-0 and oh in region play as of right now. These are two of the top three teams right now in that region. And when you look at the points-wise, 96 is averaging 31, only giving up 16, whereas Liberty is averaging 30 and only giving up 26. Uh, this this game has a possibility of being another really good shootout. This is a game you need because you've been in these this game for two reasons. So, I think there's been a lot of people that over the years have thought, well, you know, when 96 times will play, it's not even got contest. You're just playing it. Look at the paper. You see who's going to win the game. I think for him, you know, they only lost – Liberty's only lost his to Abbeville. So, now go over there, give him a second loss, and you say, hey, we beat them too. And then that proves your kids, first and foremost, that we can play with Abbeville. It would just be a really good football team on the road, and we're ready for that showdown uh, coming up in a few weeks. And I think that's a, a something I think you're going to have that you're going to have your big players. You know, um, like you said, you get your quarterback back, you, you got your running back who's been doing things all year, and I think this is a showcase game for Coach Bennett to take his team to Liberty and win a big football game. All right, well, here's what Coach right. Bennett had to say uh, as they got ready because they got uh, Braden Mitchell back last week, and mm-hmm. I had asked him a little bit, starting out with uh, how last week went and, and how much fun it was having that senior back. Deal for our team to, you know, see the uh, see the captain out there. You know, we we have four captains, and they're selected by their teammates in a in a, a vote. Um, Braden was unanimous. Uh, he, you know, he's our our talking captain, and uh, you know he's been out there on crutches the last several weeks, and then he walked out there in the next, that week, and then now he walked out there in pads, and you know it's just been great to kind of watch him go through this process of having to battle through that adversity, and you know his teammates they were uh, they were super jacked up to get out there and play with him again. Yeah, well, you mentioned that if it's a good chance that he would be coming back, you're going to wait and see. Did you get to see the expression on the Landrum's coach's face when he saw him out there warming up? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I missed that. I uh, My coaches told me that uh, they had seven or eight coaches standing on the sidelines just watching him throw. <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, they, uh, you know, which we, we you know, it was uh, – it was a kind of t- touch and go thing. We weren't exactly sure when he was going to come back, and uh, we found out. And you know, maybe he wasn't fully cleared till later week, so they didn't have any film of him. They, you know, it was like a mythical creature. They, <laughs> they, they walk out and they're like, they see this. They're used to seeing this, you know, five nine blonde kid running around for his life, and they see this, you know, six two, two hundred pound behemoth out there throwing the ball left handed. I can imagine how they all looked standing out there and watched him throw. It's probably like, oh, man, come on. <laughs> well, things got off to a little bit of a rocky start for him, which we kind of expected uh, trying to get back in the flow of things. But you guys dominated the second half. Yeah, we had we had a good a good showing in the second half. First half, 
you know, our first drive, I think it was 14 plays. We go down, we score, he throws a touchdown on the bootleg, you know, the first uh, – his first touchdown pass since being back, he threw it to Ladarian, which that's his safety blanket. He loves LD, and that was good for those kids to have that. And then, uh, then after we kind of had to, you know, you script out your first few, and you kind of got an idea like this is going to work early. So we we go through the script. They throw the touchdown pass on the bootleg. Well, then you got to kind of start calling the game and. Offense is making adjustments. Defense is making adjustments. We moved the ball well on every other drive, but we threw two interceptions in the red zone. Um, I've said it in other interviews. You know, he threw two interceptions, and I'll take the blame for one. And another guy said, "Well, is Braden going to take the blame for the other?" And I said, "No, I actually blamed it on Ladarian uh, for running a bad route." But you know, Braden said coming off sideline after his second interception, he said, "I think the rust was knocked off." I said, "All right, well, that's good." So uh, then we uh, came in at halftime and talked to the guys. Defense fixed there. You know, they had two two busts turned into two long plays, which led to 14 points for Landrum. And they come out and shut out. I mean, they're a high-powered offense. They scored 74 points a couple weeks ago uh, against a 3A opponent. And, you know, for us to hold them to 14 and to shut them out in the second half, that, that speaks a lot to our defensive coaches and players. And offensively, Come out and score 35 in the second half. That's that's about as good as you can ask for. And uh, having having Braden back, with, uh, I told I told somebody else. You know, it's like having having Braden with all his experience and his arm strength and and his you know his football IQ. And having Ladarian out here and having Evan out here and Jaden Hackett at tight end and. Then you still got Zay and Gabe, who are a couple hammers in the backfield, and then your wings. You got Bryant and JD and Caden Payne and Carver Davis with an offensive line that plays hard every play. You kind of like a kid in the candy store offensively as a play caller. You're just like, hey, you know, I kind of like this. Let's try this, or you know. So it was really good to get Evan and Ladarian involved um, in a big way, and I think it's going to change how people game plan for us. Because, you know, everybody knows we like to run the ball, but what are you willing to give up to stop the run? Right. Well, this week uh, you go back on the road, correct? And this time you're going up to Liberty. Um, Liberty's only lost <laughs> one ball game so far this season. Uh, that was a tough loss to, to Abbeville a week ago or, or so. They've lost two. They've lost two? Okay. They lost Eastside as well in the non-region. Uh-huh. I didn't. I didn't see that one, but uh, still, you know, they had that short week too uh, with Chesney to go along with it. So, um, you know, they're coming in here, but this is a, a formidable team. They have been uh, well. They've been good for years, a couple have. of years. Yep, Coach Sutherland, he's doing a great job up there. You know, I got a lot of respect for him. He's a he's another guy that's you know contrary in offense is kind of his deal, uh, and he's he's. Pro- I don't know how long he's had this ace in his pocket, but. You know, from what we've gathered all season long and the tape they've sent us, they've been in the shotgun running a lot of double-wing principles out of the shotgun. Well, last week against Blacksburg, they rolled out double tight, under center, foot-to-foot, double-wing, the old Jet Turner, you know, uh, superpower and fly sweep, which it's – when you got to prepare for both, it's really tough. Um, but the good thing that we have going for us is – uh, Coach Henderson, 
has has been in the game long enough that he remembers coaching against Coach Turner and Coach Murdoch at Ware Shoals, and he's seen that offense before. So a lot of defense coordinators never seen it before. Um, first time they see it, it's, you know, it's they're scrambling. Well, Coach Henderson's seen it and seen it for a long time. Coach Dockle played in it for Coach Turner at Clover, and then his coach under Coach Turner at Broome and at Woodmont and at Blacksburg, and then uh, I coached for Coach Turner at Woodmont. So we, we've seen that offense from the inside. So we were able to give a little bit of insight uh, and help out a little bit. But it's still, it's, uh, it's one of those things you, you, can, uh, you can draw the X's and O's on the board you want, but can you replicate it? So there you have uh, Coach Bennett and what he had to say. And what he's getting ready for is basically, uh, uh, you know, like it's going to be one of those fantasy dragons is kind of what I envision that, that Liberty's going to be coming out here with. Well, it makes well, they change a couple things around, yeah. So. And it makes it so hard for the defensive coaching staff to – you go back and you start watching game film of these guys, and it seems like every game they're coming out in different offensive sets. And they're totally different, you know. Okay, we're going to come out with a single back and spread you out all over the field. Next week, they're in playing in a phone booth. Uh, so it's a lot to get ready for, a lot. And you never know from one series to the next what they're going to come out and line up in. So it's, it's going to be a challenge, but I think Coach Bennett will have his guys ready to play. And I look for every uh, listen to me. I look for ninety six to come out there with the win. Because ninety six is not ninety six has not played an easy schedule by no means. Well, and as the weather gets colder, it seems they get tougher yeah. in the process, and and more of a formidable opponent for some of these teams as well. And, and defensive wise, with having Carver just concentrating on the defensive side, that has made them so much, so much better, better defensively. Yep. All right, uh, another game that is coming up on Friday night, Abbeville at Landrum. Abbeville is going to be going on the road, number two team in 2A. They're averaging 36 points a game, only giving up 20. Landrum is averaging about 34, but they're giving up 28 in this one. Uh, last week, uh, Landrum lost to 96-42-14. to You kind of heard how that went with uh, Mitchell making his debut back in. Um, and I can imagine those coaches sitting there on the sidelines watching him going, I don't remember this we don't kid. See this, we, I don't remember <laughs> seeing this kid on the game film from yeah, last week. I can imagine that. And now they get to go against Abbeville, and they've got that huge defensive tackle, nose tackle that they've got to go up against. Uh, Appyville's going to be the real deal on defense, um, and you're going to see Carson uh, just, I think he'll have a big game in this one as yeah. well. Yeah, I have no surprises here. I can definitely take Appyville in this game. <laughs> and then uh, Saluda gets a tough one. They get to host Silver Bluff, of all things. Um, Saluda lost last week to Strom Thurmond. Uh, Strom Thurmond, I think, what, 48-3 was the final in this one. Strom Thurmond hit on all cylinders. They only punted it one time in the process. Um, but, you know, Saluda is uh, – I don't want to say snake bit in this regard, but they've had the injury bug hit them pretty hard. Yep. And they were not that deep at all, um, you know, going into the beginning of this game. Whereas Silver Bluff right now is the number four team in the state. They're, it's rumored, if you talk to anybody in the CSRA, that them and Strom Thurmond are who <laughs> the, the championship's going through. through. Yeah. But uh, as Chris Med mentioned last week, what about Abbeville? <laughs> can't forget about Abbeville in the looks of all this. So, um, and you can't forget about Great Collegiate, who – 
is going to end up playing at IMG. But this is going to be a tough, another tough game, I think, for Saluda in this regard. Good news is they're at home. Well, they, that's they, the only bother. <laughs> that's the only bother. <laughs> well, and two, you know, uh, we've alluded to it earlier. Even at the four-way level, you start to see more and more people, more and more coaches that are playing players both ways. And when you start playing, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids both ways, they're going to get tired. They're not going to admit they're tired, but they're going to start getting tired, and that's when injuries happen. And you're seeing it across the board. I mean, at one time, what what did Chris tell us? Greenwood had 45 people being taped. So, yeah, you know, you, after we the get, Santa Creek game. We get, we get one week off, and, oh, well, we got – we down to twenty in the training room now, so you know you you take the the little victories where you can, and you, yeah. and this is what Saluda's going through, and uh, some of their better players are getting hurt, and they're having to rehab them, and and move the JVs move up into the JVs them and stuff. I mean, it's going to be and, tough, and that's going to be tough sledding. I agree. Um, you know, we wish the Tigers best of luck, but I have a feeling Silver Bluff's going to come away with a win on this one. They beat uh, Batesburg-Leesville last week 34-28, so there's good news in that regard if Saluda can hold on to it. Yeah. Um, and then another game, uh, I, th- I think everybody's on the – is there anybody that's got a home game? Saluda's the only one I think that's got a home game. Dixie's, everybody else. I think Dixie's at home. Yeah, you're right. Dixie is hosting Christchurch. Um, in this one, so <laughs> here we go again. We don't want to get down that rabbit hole. Yeah, but, uh, but support Dixie High School. Get out there. They're the only teams in the Lakeland at home. Go, go watch them play. Yep. So that should be fun over there at uh, Dixie High School to go along with that. McCormick's on the road. They got Southside Christian, and uh, yeah. <laughs> That's there. And, guys, this for me is going to be the game of the week when you look at it. Go up to uh, uh, Ware Shoals because Kowloon Falls is going to be taking on the, the Purple Hornets up there. This should be a fun one. Kowloon Falls averaging about 13 points a game. Uh, Ware Shoals is averaging about 17 as of right now. This should be a fun one. Both of them, uh, you know, they have a losing record right now, but this is going to be more evenly matched than those Christchurch St. Joe's games. Oh, yeah, and, and this will be a uh, – we're not going to say it's going to define their season, but this is going to give one of these two teams a little bit more of a leg up on making the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. there's only – well, we know the there's first five three. five that go out of this region, yeah. So, you know, win a, win a ball game or two in the region, and you can be in the playoffs. And, you know, no, it doesn't matter. Once you get to the playoffs, this season over. This season brand new. Everybody's starting on the same boat, and – you know, get one of those teams that beat you and maybe turn it around on them and knock them out of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Go to where it's old, you know, pull, pull them on, get one of them. There was a blue flashing, man. One of them finally get a legitimate fair shot. I'm going to call it what it is. Yeah. The other three private schools is not fair across the board. And just as, you know, we, we alluded to it Monday, Tom, and, and I was disappointed because I went back and listened to Coach Singleton and the, the guys at the high school league, and the only thing he discussed was gray. And I'm I'm afraid that was what it was going to be. Uh, so really, you got the coaches are going to have to take the stand now that, that the other coaches did. And and I was interested in what Phil said too because uh, he was talking about they didn't have any star players at Gray Academy, but it's not because they don't try to get the star players. I mean, I I would debate Phil Cornblue. You know how much I love Phil, but I would debate him on the fact that it's a player fair uh, play and field. 
we're great playing in the in the private leagues with with the public schools. I mean, right, right, I agree. Yeah, they definitely need to look at Region One One A uh, in order to take the competitive fair advantage. Well, uh, you, you take the three private schools that are in that region and add great to it. You've got four teams. Why not have a four team region? You know. Yeah, you got Oceanside that's on the other yeah. end of the other state too. They're, yeah, but I'm just saying, I'm thing. just saying, you know, end up so much say upstate kind of deal. Um, now we know Gray's oh, down can, yeah. there in Columbia, but still. Um, well, the, the other thing is there are the Gray's thing is there aren't enough private or charter schools to to form a league, but there is. You know, there is. There's 18 of them. When you look at them, that have football programs. Okay, yeah. we're not talking about all of them. We're talking three, about the eighteen three, that have football three, programs. Three regions with six teams in a region. Uh, you know, you may have to travel a little, but hey, they're doing it in Skiza. It can't hey, be done. Everybody else does it. Go along with it, but I mean, Gray's traveling to Florida. They're traveling two straight weeks away in Florida. So I mean, any little bit. All he had to do was adhere to what the high school league ruled originally, and. Found them a compare, you know, comparative league or fair league to play in, and we wouldn't be going through this now. It's the fact they didn't want to do it; they wanted to adhere to their own rules, be it their pres, I mean, their uh, principal or whoever it was, AD or whatever, made that decision. And I don't feel sorry for Gray. I, y'all know my feelings on that situation. I don't feel sorry for him. <laughs> well, we. <laughs> Take a look at the 5A. we got some really good games that are going to be out there. Uh, Hillcrest taking on T.L. Hanna uh, in this one. That should be a lot of fun. It's at Hillcrest of all places uh, in the process. Lexington is hosting White Knoll. you got um, a good matchup that could be coming out of that. How about Sumter at Carolina Forest? That would be a fun one to be at. Yep. But um, the one that, that's, I think, probably in the upstate that's going to be more challenging outside of Hillcrest and T.L. Hanna, it's going to be Burns playing doorbell and that's going to be at Burns and that is an old blue blood yeah right, mouth uh, rivalry yeah. there mm-hmm. but the uh the Hillcrest Hill Hunter game that's going that that harkens back to the days of the old mud slinging you know <laughs> just three yards and a puddle of mud get your face dirty get your uniform dirty you know with mud and blood and and see who's gonna come out on top if folks want to know about Dutch Fork, they're at Chapin. And Chris, you said that game was going to be tonight? I think it's tonight or tomorrow. They, had, they yeah. were trying to get the game time and play, and maybe tomorrow night. So. Could gotcha. have been JV, I saw. But like I said, I know that they're playing Chapin, so that should be a, a tough game. Should be fun. But we're looking forward to it. Uh, lots of great football games to go along on Friday night as well as all day Saturday in the process uh, also. So we're looking forward to it, uh, you know, seeing the bands, the cheerleaders, and swinging the football. And it's homecoming for a lot of people. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that we're not part of the homecoming process. We've been done with that. It's we're over. We're done with our part of it. And see what happens. We got our own tough matchup uh, with Westside, so we'll we'll take get ready for that and then uh, move on in advance from there. Chris, be sure to bring your rain gear in case we have to sit outside. I got my swimming, babe. Don't worry about me. I got my swimming. <laughs> All right, Chris, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks for joining us here today. Get well, my friend. Thank you, man. That's Dan Spivey, the coach. I'm Tom Carroll. We are the Lakeland Sports Guys. Have a great football weekend.